at some point I want to talk about wrestling, but not right now. Okay. It's I don't have anything, and you don't have anything. I think prepared for. Did you ever actually play fighting games? Like wrestling you, games. You, or fighting? So fighting games is its own genre. I feel like wrestling games should be in its. It well, is wrestling games is its own genre it too. It should be competitive as well. That would be so awesome. I have n- I've not I played sh- very many wrestling games. There are never just like I know you're not as big into wrestling, but just the, the no. genre. I guess if you don't like wrestling, you wouldn't like wrestling. Yeah. Wh- uh, yes, that's exactly what like. You know, I've never watched wrestling in my life, but WrestleMania 2005. I want that game. To be fair, one of the most popular YouTube things that I do watch right now is by uh, Austin Creed, who's Up, Up, Down, Down as his video game channel, and he is a wrestler. He actually plays through the old wrestling games, but there was one version where you didn't have to wrestle. You can just set matches, and it's you and a friend can set matches to see who's the best general manager. So it's like fantasy wrestling, which is... Fantasy, fantasy, it's a double layer. <laughs> and so they're just competing with each other to see who can have the best pay-per-views, who can have the best, like, Raw versus SmackDown kind of thing. And it's super popular. And, like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, you might not like wrestling, but you might like fantasy wrestling. <laughs> All right, that's how we're starting off 2019, folks. This is fantasy wrestling. Welcome to the podcast. It's a gamer. We're here. It's a gamer. That's it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Me a Gamer. I'm your host, T-Man, and I'm here with... Harvey Z, in the place to be. If you're listening to this now, it's a brand new year. It's 2019. You've seen marvelous wonders of technology that we of 2018 have never seen before. That's true. Yeah, like Flying cars. <laughs> yeah in a year they're gonna have flying cars you this you heard it here first in a month <laughs> um so since it's the new year i was reflecting a little bit and thinking about the podcast and um our mission statement and how we've gotten a little we have a mission statement well so the entire thing was based on like i'm trying to make you a gamer like the name of the podcast it's make me a gamer and we kind of got away from that because like I've been talking about news and stuff, but sometimes I've been picking kind of like depressing news or like ah. bad things that have been going on, and and I point out like this doesn't make me want to be a gamer. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like I'm not really anyway. But, but should we whitewash it? Are you saying that no? We're not going to whitewash it, but I uh, going forward, I want to do more positive, positive things. It's a new year, a new start. Yeah. And so to start that off, uh, I've got a story prepared that we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's going to be more of a long-form story, kind of like our Kurt Schilling episode. Uh, and it's about how, the in, in the spirit of moving forward with positive things, it's about how one game almost destroyed the entire video game industry. So now I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't think <laughs> of what game destroyed the entire video game industry. So we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. We're going okay, okay. to have this story is the main part of the episode. We're going to go to the past. Look okay. at look at one of the biggest failures of the video game industry, uh, and then we're going to look towards the future because it's 2019, and there are some games that Harvey Z might want to be playing in the future. Oh. And we're going to talk a little bit about those games coming up, and maybe get you excited to be a gamer. I feel like I have made strides though. In yeah, no, yeah, you like, you've actually from played zero games. games to like mobile games to like I played a couple games. Yeah, at least. Yeah, and it's uh, actually before the podcast. Harvey Z told me that uh, we have actually gotten a little bit of listener mail and yes. a fan interaction 
uh, because a fan or two approached him. And two separate independent fans, or listeners, I should say. They, we, we don't know if they're fans or not, but I'd like <laughs> to think so. But two independent listeners separately from each other contacted me to let me know that one of the references I dropped caught their ear and they were like oh whatever happened to that game oh well i i don't actually know what this is because i wasn't privy to this reference yeah, harvey z with the scoop i'm the i was the one <laughs> dropping all the knowledge here i was the gamer for once oh wow so uh what what was the fan interaction so it was one was just hey like the show all of that so i assumed he was a fan but then he said i really like this reference you dropped to castle of the winds Oh, yeah, you did mention that, didn't you? I mentioned you? this old game. I looked it up, actually. It was made, apparently, in 1989. And, well, the, the years, it's 1989 to 1992 or 1993. And one of our listeners also played it and was like, <laughs> I thought no one else had heard of this game. And then, independently, just this past week, another person just sent me another message saying, hey, I really like Castle of the Winds. And I was like, you guys should meet up with each other. And, like, <laughs> that's... Way more people, three people. I didn't think anybody would get that reference. Anybody <laughs> played like DOS based games. Turns out now there's a series of three of us. We have a Facebook group on Castle of the Winds. Uh, one of them actually went out and found. So the problem is it can't run on anything that is a 64 bit system or more. Oh, wow. This is an old school game. It is super old school. It is looking at it. It was like a in the. 16-bit palette or even less actually and so you have to have an emulator but the emulator can't be a windows emulator for anything higher than windows 3 or 3.1 <laughs> and so you need a special like it, if it plays 64 bits or more the game crashes holy crap and so he found it i haven't played it because i have a mac but i'm like it's in a browser itself and you can play the game what i didn't know was the version i had there's castle of the winds part one and castle of the winds Full edition. Oh, really? So it was it was like one of those demo disc type situations? Well, so I went through it and I was looking. So the first full dungeon is itself, but that is just part one, apparently. And there was a whole second like plot with two more dungeons in it. And it's all freeware. The problem is you need a machine that can run. You need a sucky machine just so you can run yes. this game. If you're, you can't just run it on an emulator. So the browser mode is the only thing that I've found. So... Yeah, maybe I'll put a link up to it if, like, I don't know if we can promote, like, it's freeware. Yeah, if it's freeware, then it's not a big like, deal. Like, the guy put it up on freeware, and then I was just thinking to myself, though, like, someone should just, like, remake this game. And they kind of did, but I think they went from, like, 16 to 32. Oh. Like, it's never been really remade since then. But I'm like, oh, this, well, I mean, I guess we have new RPGs and dungeon crawlers and stuff. We don't need Castle of the Winds anymore. And I also went back and, like, looking through it, I was like... I'd completely forgotten how to play the game. Yeah, it says like, oh yeah, the first level, it's a, you can be a magic caster or you can be an actual like sword fighter and such. The way you move around though, it's literally a turn by turn game. So you take a turn and every monster on the map makes a, one single movement as well. So it's a roguelike. Or a, and it, it is it, a complete roguelike, yes. Yeah, yeah. All the spells, weapons and stuff can be new each time around. Uh, you attack well, each no, other. No, 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 stop, stop. Yeah. Roguelike, the main instance of a roguelike is that it's turn-based in that you take a move and then everything else moves with you like that's what a roguelike is like it's really? a dungeon crawler it that's i don't know if it's always procedurally generated or not but like it's random every time yeah and you go and the main defining feature of a roguelike with a k versus a roguelite with t oh, okay. 
is that in roguelikes, like you and the enemy move at kind of the same time. Like for every move you make, they all make a move. While roguelites are something kind of like enter the gungeon where their enemies, like the enemies are free form and moving around. And yes, you're exploring a dungeon that's procedurally generated and random and new every time, but your movement does not correlate to the enemy's movement in any way. This one, it's so it's the first. It's a rogue like with a yes. K. Yes. In that, yeah, the the way they get around it is just the enemies can't see you, so they're just wandering about. But once you encounter it, then it will target and like get closer and such to you. Right. And yeah. then you attack them by simply bumping into them. Because in the beginning, again, I had no idea how to play this game. I didn't know how to do anything other than shoot magic missiles is the only projectile that you can shoot. Everything else, apparently, you attacked each other by bumping into each other. Hmm. Cool. And so the game exists <laughs> of all the references that we've had in like our teen something episodes, Castle of the Winds got fan mail. Oh, well, there you go. That's the first uh, fan mail we've received about a specific game is a old school. We know we know that our target audience now, I guess. <laughs> old school uh, DOS based gamers. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Scorched Earth. That'll Great get everyone game. going. Oh, <laughs> All right, well, since we're talking old school, this is a perfect time for me to segue into the story for today. So you've probably heard about this. It's a well-known story. It had a lot of, like, urban legends associated with it. Okay, Um, I think I know what it is now. Okay, let's get into it. So we're going to start off in 1972. Maybe too early then. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, 1972... Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney founded Atari. Okay, classic the, company. My yeah. uncles had an Atari. Like yeah, they, I they, played it. Yeah, the name Atari actually came as a reference to the check position from the game Go. You know, oh. uh, I think that's Otari, like O T A R I. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But apparently, like that, as I was looking this up, I found that out. Like they made that's what Atari was a reference to when they created the company. Okay. <laughs> just enough. a just a neat little fact to throw in there. So early on, I couldn't I, while I was looking this stuff up, I couldn't really find a reason for it. But at some point in the first couple years, Bushnell buys out Dabney's share of the company and like takes over fully and like okay, it, he he politely hostile? forced him out like he it was a buyout it wasn't like hostile takeover facebook style where the guy like lost all but 0.001 percent of his stock or whatever mm-hmm. so bushnell was pretty much the, the one running atari at this point and this is the video game company yeah not, the video game video company ga- well the system i think atari was a system itself well so right now it's a company okay. um in 1975 is when they first released their first home console atari that had uh, Pong on it. Yep. And it was a big success. Like up until this point, video games had only been in arcades. Yeah. Um, so you could play Pong in like an arcade machine or, or something so like that. So this was like the first home console. Yeah. The first okay. con- home console was Atari. Pong, bringing, it, bringing Pong in was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone loved it. Public was, you know. Great game. Pong yeah. is a classic. Yeah. Pong. I actually, s- side note. I, uh, there was a remake, I I say remake, but there was a game (laughs) called Pong for the original PlayStation that was done by Atari. Uh And like, it was like anthropomorphic almost with like the bars that you would use to hit the ball. And like, there were like 3D stages that you would move your, 
You little I might bar have played around. This game. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. that's just side story thinking about Pong. Doesn't relate anything to yep. the to this story. Just in my head, this random PlayStation game comes to mind. I think it's the last time I ever consciously thought about Atari. You know, I think that was because so you didn't have an Atari system, or uh, well, I by the time I was born, Atari. Or like had a family oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. This is this is before my time. Okay. This is before both our times, actually. Well. Who's the gamer now? I, I played it. My first system was I, playing I've, on an Atari. I mean, I've played an Ato- on an Atari. Oh, damn. Okay. There goes my credit. <laughs> I was like, yes, who's the gamer? But I was not alive when Atari was like being sold and built. Okay, you know, I was not the market for an Atari. You know, by the time I was around, <laughs> it was different systems. So in 1976, uh, Bushnell is trying to develop a new atari console the the atari 2600 which was the most popular one okay um but he needed capital and he wasn't sure like he need he wasn't sure how to go about well he was sure but other people were arguing with him with how to do it but because he was the ceo and the founder of the company uh he ended up uh having warner communications came in and bought out atari And so, like, Warner Communications was now supervising over the Atari system. But because of that buyout, they had more than enough money to produce the uh, Atari 2600. And this guy was still kind of there to oversee? Yeah, for for a little bit. Okay. Uh, Because in 1978, uh, Bushnell got forced out of the company by Warner because they disagreed on where to go with the 2600. Uh, because at that point in 1978, the uh, Atari was not selling as well as they wanted okay. it to. Like the 2600 was doing okay, but it wasn't like setting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. And Bushnell wanted to scrap it and create an even more powerful one and and go okay. go bigger. Yeah. While the company was like, no, 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 we need to just make better games for it. We need to get people's attention. Once people really get into it, this will sell. I can't uh, say which way is better, actually. It's like both have yeah. valid points. Okay. And then there was another thing that was bothering uh, the Warner Communications is that Bushnell, for some reason, had always had this dream of like starting a pizza franchise. Independent to all. Okay. <laughs> Once again. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this up to? Okay. Dude makes a video game program system company thing. Wanted to be a pizza franchise owner. Like, no, no, no. Create a pizza franchise. Like, start... From, like Not just own a pizza hut. Or no, something. not just own a pizza hut. He wanted to make his own pizza hut. Like, or own pizza place. All right. I mean, weird aspirations, but okay. And so, I think it was in 77... It was around 77, 78. He bought a... I think what was then called a Pizza Time uh, franchise or whatever and started to, to make it his own. And he uh, started doing these weird things with animatronics and like making an arcade along with the pizza like a chuck e cheese type of place a chuck e cheese in fact nolan bushnell is the founder of chuck e cheese 
All right, now, like, okay, <laughs> I see where you're going with that. Okay, I was just like, weird dude wants to own, like, a Papa John's. He's Peyton Manning type. No, Chuck E. Cheese, okay. Yeah, so... Games and pizza. This yeah, is the- Bushnell, yeah, yeah, he had, like, the arcade. He had the animatronics that were, like, way advanced for the time. And Man is a genius. Now. Yeah, and so Bushnell gets forced out of Atari and just ends up, like, going full-time Chuck E. Cheese. And, like... <laughs> and there is no other like I'm in my head I'm like there's a Dave and Buster's now but back then Chuck E. Cheese Chuck was E. Cheese was the place where a kid, kid could be a kid yeah exactly I mean <laughs> alright good for him that's sort of a weird happy ending <laughs> yeah so he doesn't play any more part in the story he's off in happy Chuck E. Cheese land alright um, cool I, that's something I had found because another podcast did like an in-depth look at like the culture of Atari, like and all that stuff, and like mm-hmm. the founder, and when I found that out, like oh, really, the founder of Atari is also the founder of Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I mean, the man had hits left and right. <laughs> okay, so he's off being Chuck a kid, and... where yeah. a kid can be. No, well, not being a kid. That would be weird. But let's just walk away from this one. Walk... He had his happy ending. He let's had his happy ending. Um, in 1980. Warner releases Space Invaders on the okay. 2600, and that's the big system seller. Suddenly, mm-hmm. sales are skyrocketing because yeah. Space Invaders are big in the arcades. Now you can play it at home. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Everyone wants the Do Atari they 26. Own the arcade versions as well? Like, so I think so. Because okay. Atari had three different divisions. There was a, Atari had a, the home console division the arcade division and the home computer division uh, like they were all, they were dabbling in all three <laughs> atari obviously was producing pong and like had the pong arcade machines and they produced space invaders and then putting that onto a home console everyone went nuts and this is one of those weird things where i'm like this seems really easy to do now i have no idea how to do this but i'm like <laughs> how hard could it be to make pong but back then yeah if no one has made pong it's groundbreaking and innovating exactly yeah. i'm like oh it's an arcade just if if it's on the TV just make the arcade there, smaller. Just put it on your TV. Yeah. yeah, it should just work. I'm an investor. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how investors think. Like, you can do that. Just do that. Do that over here instead. And do it for less money now. Yeah, exactly. So, so 1980, Space Invaders, sales are uh, sales are skyrocketing. By 1982, though, the market was starting to saturate a little bit. Okay. There was a bunch of other companies getting in on making consoles. You had the ColecoVision. 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 Yeah. Uh, the Magnavox Odyssey. You uh, had Intellivision. Commodore 60-something. I don't... I thought the Commodore 64 was a PC. Like, wasn't oh, that a maybe computer? it was. Yeah. Um, but so there's a lot of these gaming consoles coming around. And on top of that, home computers were starting to become a thing. Like yeah. PCs, like the Commodore 64, mm-hmm. they, and they were inexpensive and cost the same as a console. So, like, why would you get a thing that can only play games when you can get a computer that can also do thing games and other things? What else could it do? Like, print out giant spreadsheets? I, like, I, know, I, I know. I I'm just saying from a marketing perspective. I know. You know, like, so there's competition now. Yeah. Uh, and because of the market saturation, there's more thing, more gaming consoles. Um, on top of that, Activision had won a lawsuit against Atari. Uh, one is strong. They settled, but you know they, they, they got, got what they wanted. 
uh, because Activision was founded by former Atari developers because up until this point when they won the lawsuit, Atari games wouldn't credit the developers. Like okay. so, so these people went off and started making their own games, and were like, "We want to put our names in the credits. Like, we want to have credit for yeah. the stuff that we're doing and programming." And they sued Atari, so they were making games, but not a console. And so mm -hmm. Atari was like, "No, no, you can't do that. We own the rights to making the games for our console." And they went into the courts, and Activision won and gained the rights to make their own games for consoles that they hadn't made so which is almost the first not video game company but independent this, this was the first like the genesis of third-party developers yeah. for consoles activision is still a big third-party yeah. developer and so when they won this this of course opened the door for other companies to also start making games for atari and magnavox and whatever else so on top of a bunch of console choices flooding the market you now had a bunch of games flooding the market I something surprised me. Quaker Oats apparently made games for like a year or two. I wasn't gonna. Well, I feel like more than a year or two. Yeah, for a while. There was one topic independent of this where I was gonna bring up. Did you ever buy video games from cereals? <laughs> because cereal boxes used to come with video games back in. Like, no, I don't think I ever did that. One was a recycling game. I don't know the <laughs> name of it. It's sort of another throwaway, like Castle's Winds. It was for the Sega Genesis, not for the Sega Genesis. Maybe it was for the PC. I remember discs being in computer, like in cereal boxes and stuff, but it was like environmental, save the world kind of things, like some sort of good message behind it, like recycling and such. But it was in a, yeah, so Quaker Oats, I totally buy. <laughs> that. Well, they were just making like regular games, like Space Invaders or something. Like they weren't like making like special cereal related games. Okay. Yeah, so like Parker Brothers apparently had games for a little bit that weren't board games. Like they made video games. Like so, every, every a lot, bunch of companies were trying to get into this, this new market. This new, yeah, they, yeah. Video games are booming. The problem was stores didn't have the space because you you for every Space Invaders you get a Space Wreckers and Space Fighters and Space. Uh. You know, rollers and so there's how do you stand there's out? centipede and millipede and agripede and bug. You know, like mm -hmm. every company was trying to get in on this, and so they were just flooding the market with all these games, and retailers couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. Like they had space dedicated to it, but they started being like, "Listen, we can't carry um, all the games. We can't carry all these games that you're making." Like, and they. They ended up like trying to send back the games because there was like a surplus. Uh huh. And the problem was the publishers didn't have any way to deal with this. And so a lot of publishers in 19, in like 82, 83 era ended up going out of business or like dropping out of the video game market because like they would make all these cartridges and then give them to the stores and the stores would be like, no, 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 no. We can't sell all these, have some back. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we can't refund you. You said you were going to take these. Like we don't have the capital. And then they just go under yeah. or they're like, okay, this is a loss. We can't do this time to move on. And so all this stuff is going on and we head into 1982 okay. where the popular children's movie E.T. releases. Yep. I, I was like, I think, was E.T. around when I was a kid? No, it was before I was a kid. Yeah. Before yeah. I was. Yeah. E.T., the classic. Yeah. 
The so classic you, you, movie and, and the classic uh, the tale of ET is infamous. I think. Yeah, you. So you have heard of this. I I okay. know ET, but I will. Maybe there will be some details in here you didn't know yet. That's true. I, I, I don't surprised know why you it was destroyed. <laughs> I knew other things about the legend of ET, but and, but I I mean I surprised you with Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. So like maybe yeah. we got something going here. Okay. So 1982, ET is wildly successful. Mm-hmm. The movie. Yeah, yeah the movie. <laughs> yeah, very clear. The movie was successful. Steve Ross, who is the CEO of Warner Communications, uh, he negotiates a licensing deal with Steven Spielberg to make an E.T. game. Like, it's a... Yeah, you know, makes sense. Uh, like, is Warner Communications basically like Time Warner? Those They, they eventually get merge like, with yeah. time and, and become like Warner time Warner studios or Warner brother studios. Oh, I think Warner brothers is not related. I'm not ah, sure. Okay. Or are like under it or a different division or something. Okay. But yeah, uh, I know Warner communications eventually gets merges with time and mm-hmm. becomes time Warner. They say that this deal was something between 20 and 25 million licensing deal. Uh, not nice too bad. Chunk of change back in the day. Yeah. So on July 27th, in 1982, the CEO of Atari, his name is Ray Kasser, I think, mm-hmm. K-A-S-S-A-R, um, he brings in a developer named Howard Warshaw, uh, who had made a couple other good game, well-received games already, and he's like, all right, you're going to make this E.T. game, and mm-hmm. it's popular, and everyone loves E.T., so we need to make sure this is out for Christmas. So on July 27th, Okay, he brings months, him, he brings him in. No, he's you have to be ready by September first because that's the amount of time they need to get everything produ- produced and on the shelves by Christmas. Okay, two months, sixty days almost. Like because yeah, that's five July. weeks. Oh, oh. July twenty seventh, and it has to be ready by September first. Five weeks. This is worse than like school deadline. Here <laughs> I am bargaining for these poor people. Oh, okay. And he's like, and it's not even like okay. I've got this team of you together. It's like, he brings this guy in. It's like you five weeks, get it done. Go. And it's not like this is an arcade game. Just poured it over something. No, no, it's from scratch. Make this game in five. Okay. So Warshaw's like, hell yeah, I can do this. Like okay. he, he's up for the challenge. Uh, he's excited. Like ET is a fun property. You know, I can make something of this. And so he, in his head, what he comes up with is this world that open world that ET can explore and he's trying to find pieces of a phone so that he can phone home. All right. Not quite what the film was about. But yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what he's, that's what he, in he his needs head, to find pieces of a phone. Yeah. Not just a phone. But it's like a special phone that can call a spaceship. Uh, oh, a space phone. Yeah, yeah. It's a space phone. Okay. <laughs> and, he thinks that like adults wandering around are going to be the bad guys because if they find him, they'll capture him or, okay, you know, like okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, to make it harder and to, like make a challenge out of it, he said he thinks that he's going to put a time limit on it. So you only have a certain amount of time to find all the pieces before, you know, all game right, over. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah. And games back then were harder. And sure. Why yeah. not? And finally, he envisions pits. Wait, what? Pits. Like, you can fall in pits. And that's where we're going to put the phone. Just pits. You're saying piss. Pits. P-I-T-S. Pits. Oh, okay. I was like, urine. I was like, (laughs) they fall in urine? Like, whoa, dude, whoa, whoa. This just went really weird. Like, I know we did Red Dead Redemption's horse testicle things, but... 
Man, I'm sensing a theme here. No, okay. no, no. Pits. Okay. Pits. Like pitfall. Yeah. Pits. Yes. Holes in the ground that, okay, that totally normal now. This is a common theme in video games. We're going to have pits in the ground that you need to find the phones in. Yeah, but you're that's... supposed to fall in the pits because that's where the phone is. Except in every other game, you don't want to fall in yeah. pits. Okay. But you want to fall in these pits. But some pits don't have the phone. But there are pits. Okay. It's okay. It, this and this kind of thing is what this man did some cocaine in the eighties. <laughs> he had to. Eh, I'm not going to judge. Five weeks to make this game. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I got this. We're going to have pits, pits, and you can't trust the man. Adults. Yeah, they're all the criminals out there. They're going to get you. You got to hide from them. Okay. You yeah, know what? That that sounds actually pretty reasonable. I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so he brings this idea to Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg is like, can't you just like make like Pac-Man or something? <laughs> like he's, he's, he's just like, make he's something. a reasonable man. He's yeah. Like, yeah he's just four like, weeks now. yeah. Like make a game with ET, but similar to Pac-Man and he, and like, Oh God. He, yeah. He, well, he's, don't listen to Spielberg. He doesn't to... listen to Spielberg. Okay. He's like, what, what are you talking about Spielberg? I'm going to make my own game. I'm going to be famous. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the man. Yeah. Uh, so he rejects it mm-hmm. uh, and starts making this game with pits and finding the phone and everything. Okay. Now, Atari Atari makes a bit of a mistake here because they're on a deadline. They want to make sure everything's done by September 1st and, mm-hmm. and get it out and get ready to go. So they decide to skip audience testing for this game. Okay, I mean, he's he's working as hard as he can. He's got the deadline of all the parts to cut. We can't cut promotion. We can't cut, like, the marketing and the selling. Testing. Because they figured E.T. has been so successful. Ah. And... It can't go wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's too like, big to it's, fail. Everyone's going to love it, no matter what. And on top of that, they had just sold... Like, Pac-Man had just come out recently, and reviewers like trashed pac-man they said it wasn't it wasn't going to be do good ah. but people loved it anyway so who cares what the reviews say people are gonna love et they love the movie how could they not love the game yeah yeah makes... i could see yourself buying into this yeah, like, yeah. And we this... only have four weeks now suddenly it's yeah, like yeah. a good so, idea like yeah uh, yeah it um uh, so the he, game was made the game was made yep. he, he gets it done shipping is everything and they they get into the uh the holiday season they overestimated a little bit uh how much it would sell though because Uh so i i read varying reports so it's not can't quite fix on the exact Mm -hmm. amount the the game was technically like successful it like it didn't actually sell poorly oh um it sold something like a million copies between december and january Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that so, seems good. Yeah, it seems good, doesn't it? I mean, it seems good. Yeah. Not when Atari produces four to five million cartridges. All right, we'll get them on the slow roll on the back end. <laughs> but I mean, in a month, you sold a million. That's it's not bad. Except now, all these stores, as I've said previously, don't want these cartridges because they don't got any room for them. So uh, now, Atari is suddenly get getting two to three million cartridges sent back to them all of et and they can't just every cartridge sent back is a cartridge not sold exactly okay 
so now Atari is in a big bind because not only like it did so well, but reviews were horrible. Word mm-hmm. of mouth was terrible. Like it, it, this is one of the worst games. Ever yeah, made, it it, it, it has a reputation of being one of the worst games of all time. Um, it was just not great. Like people said, like it was confusing. It didn't really have any instructions. Pits were annoying to get out of. Like you could fall into them real easy, and then it took forever to get out because the yeah. controls were weird. No one ever. There was no instructions on that you were supposed to fall into some pits, but not others. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was very in in your head. Like once you know all the rules, it's one of those games where if you like read the game facts and like all the yeah. instructions. It's it's manageable, maybe not fun, but, but this dude could, who made but, the game and stuff did not think to write instructions, or nobody wrote instructions back then. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not entirely sure how it worked. It's Pac-Man. You run around, you eat the balls, you get yeah. away from the ghosts, you're done. Like kids are like you know space invaders. You shoot up, you kill yeah. the aliens. The end. Like you why are they attacking? We don't need to know that. Yeah, exactly. Like this one, there was a lot more to do. Like. Stay away from the adults, adults but Go like into you fall some into pits, some of the pits. pits. Like, yeah, it's it's. An, are you? What are you collecting? Like, there's a little like thing. I guess it's a phone. What? What? Okay. Yeah, and and so word of mouth is bad. I think I saw something where it said only grandmothers were buying it because <laughs> they didn't they, know. They didn't know, and they like kids loved ET, so they would get it for their kids or something. It was bad. Atari and Warner stock dropped. Like, Ooh. like just nosedived and uh they um lost uh close to 310 million dollars by second quarter of 1983 they invested like 20 million into this thing yeah yeah they they were they were down 310 million like atari never recovers from this like they're oh they're done uh warner this leads to warner ending eventually ending up to with time warner like they recover Mm -hmm. a little bit but not enough, and the merger ends up... Not known for video games anymore. Yeah, they, they don't know known for video games anymore. Then the biggest urban legend... Yes. Of, ...of about E.T. was that they had buried these millions of cartridges that they had gotten back from retail stores in a landfill. This cursed cartridge. Yeah, like the cursed cartridge, like just like a whole bunch of cartridges just dumped... Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have anything else to do with them, like what? No one's the, gonna buy them. Yeah, now. the sale, the retail stores wouldn't take them, and yeah. Uh, so the, eventually, I think there was a a documentary called Atari Game Over, where they finally got the Atari or whoever was left over, or some some sort of approval to go and dig mm-hmm. up where in this New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and so there were cartridges there. Uh, there weren't millions. They they estimate something like. 700,000 cartridges though which is still a decent amount of just <laughs> old video games and they did a whole documentary on the digging up of the cartridges and what all and just was it there they had the creator there because he didn't even believe it like mm-hmm. it was it's a story a myth, yeah it was a myth like but yeah who would bury a video game in the desert yeah they it doesn't make sense like why would you haul like pay for the trucks to just carry yeah. the cartridges out there like what what are you doing what's but they did it. That's what they did. They were so ashamed. They buried them out in a landfill. And so, yeah, this almost killed the video game industry. Because with all these factors, mm-hmm. like, 
retail stores didn't want to hold video games anymore. Like, it, look, Atari crashed. All these other companies are crashing. Like, Atari was the main big That's true. Like, I was like, console. oh, how did it stop, like, Nintendo and all? But this was before Nintendo, yeah, this before was Sega, before Nintendo. Before like, uh, everything was, like, this was, American consoles were basically dead on the market because no American companies were going to stock video game consoles on their shelves. Mm-hmm. This is where Nintendo's genius came. Oh. The story is finished. This is the coda. Ah. I like I uh, extra information here. In 1983, Nintendo releases the Famicom to in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, family computer. Okay. Uh, and it's a hit. Everyone loves it. It's a video game console. Who doesn't love Mario Brothers and whatever oh, else was those games were on the. It's, it's the Famicom. Also okay. known as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, the NES. Right. The but Godfather. In 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 Japan, it was called the Famicom. Oh. So Japan is getting is having success, and Nintendo sets its sights on the U.S. market. Problem is, U.S. market has just experienced a huge crash. Yeah. Like video game is persona non grata. Retail stores don't want anything to do with video games. So Nintendo puts on their thinking caps relabels it from the Famicom to the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's not a video game console. It's an entertainment system. system. Hmm. Uh, Retailers were skeptical about it, but uh, Nintendo did a bunch of design decisions that helped them, that lessened their... It doesn't look like the all-black... Like well, part of, it, yeah, part of it was is that VCRs were on the rise. It's true. It does look like a it, it, weirdly a VCR and so with ins- cartridges and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And instead of top-down, which is what the Famicom was, uh-huh. it was a top-down loader just like all the, the Atari systems yeah. and all the others. They changed it to look like a VCR to be more, oh God, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but like passable i guess uh-huh. you know so people wouldn't go like oh it's a video game console like oh it's a, like a vcr it looks a kind friendly of... vcr has yeah, appeared yeah uh-huh. exactly and they uh they shipped the nintendo entertainment console with this weird toy robot called rob yes rob yeah and they made like this is the entertainment system you know it's a toy it's not mm-hmm. a video game console yes there is a game going on on it but like there's other stuff going on. Like it's a it's a <laughs> there system. was no other stuff going on. There wasn't, but this is what they're selling. But you're selling the image of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um they called the uh the video games game packs instead of cartridges. Oh, okay. You know, they changed the name. Uh it wasn't a console, it was a control deck. Like they changed all the language to make sure that like Mm-hmm. You're not associating the Nintendo Entertainment System with video game. Like it is not a video game. This but, is such like double speak mm-hmm. that it's just like, but it's genius at the same time. Yeah, it is. And the last step that they did was I don't know if you remember this or not because you were were a Sega person, but they came up with the Nintendo Seal of Quality. The little gold star. The little gold star yeah. that went on the games to prove that this wasn't like some sort of shitty knockoff that would flood the market. 
Like the oh, Nintendo, like I just assumed like all Nintendo products had this little gold sticker on them, and it was just a. No, they reviewed games and were like this has the seal of quality. Nintendo approves this to be released on its system. Now, did they do this for third-party games or third-party things, or I, was it all just Nintendo and? Nintendo I mean, I just think got... they did it for third parties too, but I'm not sure. I don't. I don't. So know. it actually was a thing and not just a stamp. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't actually know if, but like they gave that illusion at the very least. Okay. There was a there was quality and uh and that's how Japan took over the American video game market. Oh. As, as up until Microsoft entered it with the Xbox in the early two thousands, Japan, Sega, yeah, Nintendo, yeah. Super Nintendo were all Japanese. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there was a couple like Atari had like the Jaguar or something like they kept that's right. They kept trying to make <laughs> games, but oh, the Neo Geo. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that was the story of E.T. and uh, how the video game industry almost died before it even got started. Oh, the legend of E.T. Yeah, where I knew about like there was this story of video games mythically like buried in the landfills or somewhere in New Mexico, and people were out looking for it, and they like looked around at multiple sites, and then they found the one, and they were like, it can't be true, and then lo and behold, on the documentary, yeah, it was true. Yep. Yeah, it was always there. I didn't realize, though. It, yeah, I guess it... I mean, I knew it was a huge failure. It caused massive losses, but I didn't realize it actually was the thing that took down Atari. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Atari never recovered from it. Video games almost never like recovered Nintendo from it. Nintendo had to remarket its entire packaging system to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it was uh, that blacklisted. Cause, yeah, because Famicom came out in 83 in Japan, yeah. right when it was crashing in America. And so they they were like, oh, we should get over there. Oh, wait, mm, we need to rethink this. Yeah. Make it look like a VC. We'll slide it in subtly that way. Yeah, we'll just slide it in. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Some things will not change in this new year, it seems like. Nope. We're still going strong. We go lowbrow when we should go highbrow, right? Something like that. We should go low when they go high. We should go high when they go low. But we, no. We'll just no. go everywhere. Yeah, we'll go all the brows. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, so that was the story. Now um, now we're going to get into 2019, looking into the future. Oh. Some games. I, I went on the internet, and I was just looking around. I wanted to pick out a few games that Harvey Z might be interested in. Okay, any system, anything? And just across just the games? board. Okay, so just appealing to the Z. Now, two of them we've already talked about, so it's not really fair. Um, okay, I think one I know for sure off the top of my head. I'm gonna shoot it out there. Toe Jam and Earl. Of course, of Toe course. Toe Jam and Earl. I mean, <laughs> a game that defined like just bliss. This is top three game. Toe Jam and Earl, XCOM. You can't go wrong with those two franchises. Yeah. They. This has been out for like a not out, but like brewing for a while. Yeah, they had a Kickstarter a couple years ago to start it. And I was like, this is never going to happen, and I didn't back it. And like, and then I it happened. And you backed it, I think. No, I didn't back it either. <sighs> See, okay, I'm not the only one here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And then it actually, and they're like, oh, it's going to be on the Switch? It's going to yeah. be. And now I'm like, damn, I'm just happy for them. Yeah. Uh, it comes out March 1st. Okay. Uh, so it is the earliest of the games on my list. Well, no, there's one other one that, that I don't think yeah, March 1st, okay. coming for the Switch and Ooh. some other things. And uh, I mean, we're definitely going to play that. Like, it's, it's, have you have you seen any like trailers or anything for it? I haven't seen trailers, no. Okay. They've, they've, There's trailers? They've, they released like a funny trailer 
Like I've seen like picture. I've, I've been following them on Twitter, so I see yeah. them, but I don't actually click on any. Again, the, there was a, a release date trailer where like Toad Jam is talking to the camera or something. Oh, okay. Um, Does it? Is it? Oh man, I don't almost like this game is so good. The first Toad Jam and Earl. Like I just don't know if this will like. I mean, all you have to do is re just. Give me the first game and just put new levels in it, which I mean, it had an option for that actually. That's, I mean, that's what this is gonna be. Like, it's it's the same. It's not Toe Jam and Earl two, and it's not Toe Jam and Earl Panic on Funkatron. Is that that what the name was? Toe Jam and Earl two Panic on Funkatron. What what was what was three? Oh God, I don't even know three. Yeah, that is that was like a top down one where they tried to bring bring it back, but it just I just don't know what happened to that. Yeah. Uh. It's like one of those, like, I think it happened. Maybe it was a fever dream. No. <laughs> Just give me the original cartoonish yeah. graphics, funky music. Well, so the graphics are different. They look almost kind of like paper cutouts. Okay. Like, it's, it's interesting style. Uh, you have, you'd have to get used to it, but mm-hmm. the gameplay is the same. It's the islands that you walk okay. around and you've got enemies and you got to explore and open the map up and all that stuff. It's up to four player co op though. There's Toe Jam Earl and two other. I mean, it's it was designed. You could easily do that now with modern computers and yeah. like consoles and stuff. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because I mean, it was just a split screen, and back then it was two. But yeah, now you can Genesis do four. Two controllers. Okay. So we're gonna definitely play that. We yes. Will, we will report back to you uh, when it releases. Like, there's absolutely no way Harvey Z is missing this. This is. I mean, this is one of those like person defining games again i i've said it before we don't need to get into i just really like toe jam and earl so yeah okay totally the other game that we've talked about before uh briefly is a uh, medieval medieval uh, i don't know how to pronounce it it's medieval but it i guess it's medieval i mean yes there's an evil at the end and, but it's medieval okay all right it's with medieval. a hyphen somewhere in there but you don't need to and that's the hyphen. that's a remake of the original playstation game yes Another, yeah. not game-defining, but one of the games that I've beaten, it's a fun game. Medieval 2 was okay, but then I got into this weird mode where I got stuck in my save mode where it was right before a boss fight, and I was completely unprepared, but I, every time I just went back, I never double-saved. I've always been a single-saver kind of thing. Oh, single-saver. That gets you into trouble sometimes. I, but I was at that time, I felt confident because I'd beaten the first one, and I was like, this is the right way. Iron Man, this is the only way. Save before every like. And then you got fight. stuck. And then I got stuck, and it was like, well, I should have gone back and like grinded and leveled up my weapons, stuff like that. Did not, can't beat it. And it was pretty far into it where it was like, crap, and I just never played it again. That happens sometimes. But I would totally play that game again. And this one, they've updated the graphics, everything from the PlayStation. Like, this was one that I know people were... Ho- well, not people. The, like, 50 people who follow, like, the medieval Twitter bot have been, like, hoping that it would be on the PlayStation Classic. But it's now it's getting a remaster even better. I'm not super excited for it. So that might... I'm like, you should... I don't know if you... I mean, it's a... We'll, we'll it's a see. great game, like just plain and simple, like games to play. But I don't know in like today's modern era of like gaming and stuff. It's no Hitman, <laughs> but it's it's got a good classic, simple. Well, not simple, but it's got a good story. It's an easy mechanics, and it's it's got a humor. It's got a good storyline. I think it's a good game. It holds up to okay. me. Okay, we think it's a. You think, I it's, think it's a it's good, good game. game? Yeah, right. I'm recommending it to you. Okay, well we'll we'll see. Uh, when it gets closer to release, how mm-hmm. it looks and uh, whether or not I'll I'll review it for you. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll play it and have a medieval get together or something. Yeah. All right. So on the topic of XCOM, 
Um, Wait. Again, now I'm like, I'm getting hit with all sorts of surprises. No, like... <laughs> XCOM? What what's proving there? So have you have you heard of Phoenix Point? Is this a game that's supposed to be like not related to XCOM, but they keep comparing it to XCOM? It's made by the original director of the original XCOM. Now when you say original XCOM. I mean the original from like the nineties. Oh. Oh. So he's making an updated XCOM, but he's not with Fire Axis. Yeah. So he's making his own game called Phoenix Point. And it's going to be like XCOM, just it's not XCOM. His XCOM. It's going to be his XCOM. Oh, this gets into this weird loyalty. Okay. Am I uh, loyal to that? So you don't have, have you haven't heard anything about this? I've like seen ads for it, but again, I've been like, oh, it's a knockoff of XCOM. It's not a knockoff. And I've bought knockoffs of XCOM and they're just never yeah, XCOM. No, this is the original guy. It's his. Oh, man. It's going to be interesting. Like it's So uh-huh. there's going to be a procedural system where like the enemies learn from what you do. I mean... Um, okay. The way the enemies work is they like mutate and evolve. And so what happens is there's like a, there's supposedly going to be like a Darwinian system where like, if you can easily fight a certain kind of alien, they'll just stop appearing. But the ones that you have trouble with though, the enemy, this this sounds like XCOM hard written all over (laughs) it. Like, Oh, once you research like lasers and the game gets easy, we'll just make it hard for you by not. Yeah, like it the aliens like say you have trouble with an alien that like is a sniper or something. Mm-hmm. And like it, the the Next enemy map, AI yeah. Yeah, well sort of like the enemy AI will be like, "All right, these are being successful. Your ha- my enemy is having a tough time with this. We're going to produce more of them." And so you see more of them and less of the easy guys. Uh-huh. Um and so that sort of procedural generation there's apparently going to be multiple different human factions as well cuz like it takes place after the aliens have like almost all taken over. Like Phoenix Point is your starting base. Like uh-huh. this is the last human base of your group. And then there's these other factions of humans who are like controlling the resources that you also have to deal with in addition to the aliens. And that's kind of like your world map uh-huh. scenario. Um, and then the aliens are less 50s pulp alien and more like Lovecraft eldritch horror type aliens. Okay. So, yeah, so it, the it's the important question then. What system? Uh, I think if so far it's only on the computer. Here's hoping that they put it on the yeah, Mac. Mac. If it's PC on the and Mac, Mac, yeah. I oh, man, this is I love XCOM as a franchise. Mm-hmm. I would want to support XCOM as a franchise, but this dude, I might trust him. Yeah, I I think it looks really interesting. I'm going to pick I'm it up. I'm enjoying still like my XCOM adventures are satisfying <laughs> me 100%, but like Phoenix Point. Hmm. Uh, that's scheduled for June 2019. Okay, so I have some time to. So you have some time to, to think about it and get through XCOM. You know what? We're almost done here. If we have a little bit of time, you don't have any don't XCOM have any stories. No, it's no. just been T Man. You're still out there. You're still alive. T Man is alive, and uh, my uh, the other person who's gunning for your position is still alive as well. So okay. I don't know who's replaced who yet. Have, have you managed to defeat any of the chosen yet? Like for good? No, I no. think we were. We've started attacking the Black Ops bases, but I think I mentioned that last time as well. I lost mm-hmm. my Reaper there. Um, at this point, I need to defeat the first, uh, the Assassin Chosen, because they're getting real, real close to the yeah. And so I've full research- bar yeah. And so I've researched enough to where like they're like, this is where she is. Mm-hmm. You can go on this mission. I haven't gone on that mission yet, okay. partially because my entire team is now all rookies and stuff. Because again, it's you're alive. 
and like your replacement is alive, but I don't send both of you out on the same mission. Okay. It's well, just who goes in there? Do I send T Man or do I send the person gunning for T Man's job who's just as good as T Man? All right. Well, I'm interested to see what happens with that. I'm sure you will have a good story to tell once you actually yes. decide to go after the Chosen. Uh, so we'll save it for okay. then. Okay. We've got a couple other games that are coming out in 2019. First is called Man of Madon. Uh, it's by hmm. the people who did Until Dawn. Were you, okay. a, you were a part I of that? I was there for the Until Dawn, Dawn marathon. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Me and my friends got together... And basically stayed up all night playing until dawn and having a kind of like group decisions on how to make decisions. And did you like actually beat it the first time through all the way correctly? Did no, you because remember the, did you. So the very end, we panicked and That's blew true. up the house, and everyone That's died except for like two people. Oh. <laughs> yeah that's true the protagonist person sort of lived i think yeah yeah the, the protagonist there technically lived people. but we yeah we panicked and didn't realize what we were supposed to be doing okay. and ended up blowing up the house and up until that only one person had died yeah. and then at the very end we just killed everybody off it was an interesting i don't know if it has replay have you replayed it since uh, then? i've replayed it once or twice to try and like get achievements and stuff is it hold it seemed like a game that once you kind of played it you're like all right it's it was fun to like see other things that could have happened but uh, other than that yeah okay anyway man of madon is by them and it's is part of their i think they're calling it some sort of dark mysteries anthology or something like that where they're going to be making smaller games that are horror games like until dawn and uh -huh. with the same like choice and you know but more frequently and like as smaller stories so it's not going to be like eight to ten hours like that until was the dawn difficulty was. of where like why would i buy until dawn if i've watched you play it all the way through yeah it doesn't seem as fun but smaller ones okay. yeah so uh that's the first one that's coming out in 2019 I, i'm planning on having another until dawn party similar to that until dawn marathon <laughs> so, man of madon marathon <laughs> man of madonathon that sounds I like, like it that sounds like uh, Men of Madonna, though. Like it's I'm some good sort with of that. That should be playing in the background. Just eighties <laughs> Madonna. Um. So that's looking forward to the plot of that one. Is it's like a ghost ship. Like they're they're these five people go out on a on a boat, mm -hmm. like you know, and they find a ship and go onto it, and then hijinks ensue, and it's scary. Zoinks. Uh, the other game is called The Outer Worlds. It's first person, so I'm uh, afraid to give it to you because you nope. might spend 30 minutes just staring. I'm not, as I've said before, I don't like first anything where I have to like constantly check my back. I will just constantly like spin in a circle. <laughs> I will not go forward because I'm so afraid of something coming up behind me. Top down games are the way to go for me. Okay, well, Outer Worlds is by Obsidian, and oh. they're by the the people who made the original Fallout and Fallout mm -hmm. Two. Those were top down. Yes. And that's why I figured I'd throw it out Which there. Which is why because... new fallouts I haven't gotten into because yeah. I can turn around. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally just that. Okay. Well, it's not isometric, although you might want to try out their games Pillars of Eternity. I've heard good things. It's just not – I don't think it's on the Mac. Pillars of Eternity 2 came out. Yeah. 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 The, those are things. isometric, top-down, mm -hmm. um, but also by Obsidian, uh, I think. Yeah. And – but – Outer Worlds looks really cool to me because it's like Fallout aesthetic, sort of. Like in it, space? It's in space, you know. 
uh, it's a fresh IP that hasn't been, you know, tread to the ground like Bethesda did with Fallout. So I'm interested to see it. Fallout New Vegas was my favorite of the modern Fallouts, and that was done by Obsidian. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick this one up. Okay, uh, so your instincts are saying this could be a good game. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm thinking yes on it. Okay. I think... I was hoping you would be more willing because to it's jump into like playing this try game. try a first person. If you've I, seen what happens with that, yeah, okay, I have seen what happens. I'll, I'll play like first persons where it's like the Duke Nukem third person. Like you can see behind as long as I can see my back. But that's not third. I know that's third person. That's not first person. You can't be first person seeing. And your even own then, back. I still freak out because I can't see what's behind my back. Then, but at least I can see my back. But yeah. Okay. Like, I really want to play one of the weirdest things that doesn't seem like a me game. The Aliens game. Uh Uh-huh. Alien Isolation. Terrifies me. Just the concept of it terrifies me. No weapons. You're just hiding. And there's an alien, one singular alien that's coming out to get you and it learns and it hunts you and so forth. Problem is with that. You can't see your back. You can't see your back. And there is literally something that is coming up behind you every moment hunting (laughs) you. Terrifying to me. That is, like, I don't care. Games aren't really that scary other than jump scares. That game, just the idea of it terrifies me. I've got it right there on my shelf. I should get you to play it oh sometime. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> did say something of, like, make me play this. If We should forget about that. But, like, if we get a certain <laughs> thing, if we get some sort of achievement, I'll play that game. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I had. I could talk Are about you... Kingdom Hearts 3, but you probably don't know anything about Kingdom Hearts I know Hearts Kingdom Hearts... I've watched you play one of the Kingdom Hearts, but it's been a while now. Yeah. Uh, which one did you play? In I've college? played one. I, it was probably two in college. I think so. Yeah, I played one and two, and I uh, borrowed Birth by Sleep from a friend. Uh, but that's it. And so I'm going to be very apparently. I'm going to have no idea what the heck is going on in this Kingdom Hearts. Because you've 3. been missing out on the Final Fantasy side of things, or because so there's been a lot of spinoff games, and apparently they've continued the plot and made it even more messed up is it still with that sora kid yeah i mean sora's been in it and it, I, I don't know it's just weird i mean this, you know the other characters like goofy and all that well so that's the thing though is that the there's disney movies are out so apparently the main villain has the power over the letter x and anyone with that letter x in their name is eventually turning into him and like he has this power to make them all turn into him, and his goal is to make thirteen copies of him. And so if like some guys are t- already turning into him because they have yellow eyes, uh-huh. oh, and he can also keep track of anyone that has the letter X on their bodies. So like Ooh. if you have like an X, he's just like got these like weird mystical X powers. So like I love this from a thematic standpoint, but I'm just like, who in Disney has the letter X? This would be a great like book to read. <laughs> Because now I'm just like, oh, they have an X right there. But that does, that has not been in anything. Like in Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, A Birth by Sleep. That There's didn't... never been an alphabetical villain? Yeah, no. That did, Like I know the guy, the bad guy, he's been mentioned, but like power over X, like I don't get it. Apparently he can also, like there's like another guy that can see through a special eye symbol or something. I don't, okay. like it's weird. Like I'm sure the Disney stuff is going to be great. But is the this main... guy a Final Fantasy guy? The X guy? No, it's an original. Like the Kingdom Hearts plot. Yeah, the, the Kingdom Hearts plot is its own plot. Like it doesn't okay, have anything yeah. to do with Final Fantasy. Like the Final Fantasy world was like destroyed or something, and like so there's what that's why there's Final Fantasy characters just kind of hanging out with you. Because Disney was just like, we'll buy you out. 
come to our world. <laughs> yeah, that we. I was having a fun discussion with a couple friends of mine about how, like, now that Disney owns Star Wars and Marvel and all of I them, mean, like, does this guy happen? have the power of all over all the, the X Men? Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Like, the very least, Professor X. Like, I was gonna say DMX. X gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to he's you. He's not you a get... Disney character though. Kingdom Hearts. You just never know with this <laughs> franchise. Technically, he is in a video game though. Uh... Def Jam. They had a fighting game out with rappers fighting each other. Oh yeah, that's true. They did. And so like, he could totally port that shit over. Put him in the Kingdom. So Hearts are you game. saying DMX is gonna get Norded? Why not? <laughs> I would. That would be the greatest. DM Xenohort. Xenohort, Xenohort, I See, I can't even freaking pronounce the guy's name. Anyway, so I'm Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out later this month. Uh, it's going to be out, I think, January 28th, 9th. Oh. So that's going to be my first big game of the year. Okay. And I'm probably going to be yelling about plot stuff on the podcast as I play it. Uh, because I'll I can... be sure to brush up on my uh, DMX references. <laughs> DM Xenohort. Xena. Xena. Zehanort. It's spelled X E H A N O R T. Zehanort. Zehanort. That's the villain. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, that's it for 2019. No other games you're looking forward to? Oh, there's other games I mean, I'm looking you don't forward have to, like, to. Try to sell me on it, but. But the whole point was I wanted to sell you on a couple games. Okay. That would be I mean, interested. there are those first couple, yeah, but. Kingdom Hearts, yeah, that's not really going to interest me as a franchise or mm -hmm. such, but fair enough. I know, actually, one that I was interested in, uh, of all things, Psychonauts. Oh, yeah, Psychonauts 2 is coming out next year. I remember watching you play Psychonauts, and I was like, this is trippy, and it's kind of cool to watch. Yeah. Like, Psychonauts 2 had an appeal for me. I yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm interested in playing that. That's another one. that On the Switch? I have no idea what it's coming out for. I think it's just PC and PS4 and those. Oh. We'll see. Uh, that one's one I'm excited for. Uh, Sekiro comes out end of March. Uh, it's by the people who did the Dark Souls games. Uh, uh, it's a less... It's supposed to be like similar Souls-style fighting, but it's more like a Metroidvania-type exploration where you unlock new abilities okay. and there's like verticality to it where you can like use like a whip or some sort of grappling hook to like swing up to higher levels so it's going to change like dark souls don't have jump like <laughs> dark souls and bloodborne you don't jump you can like run a little bit and do like a little short hop over small uh -huh. ledges but there's no verticality at all to the the motion in those okay. games and so this game you're kind of like a ninja samurai type what and are we going to add to this game? Jumping. Whoa. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Dark Souls can't jump. <laughs> Dark Souls can't jump. Uh, where's Woody Harrelson? Get him on set. Um, so there, that I'm excited for. Uh, there's a bunch of games that are tentatively scheduled to be released in 2019 that I'm excited for, but not sure if, if they're actually going to make it. Like, the sequel to Doom, Doom Eternal, okay. um, Bayonetta 3 might come out. There's the new Fire Emblem uh, that's coming out for the Switch that might be out in 2019. I love that series. It's yeah. a, oh, okay. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, I will, of course, keep you apprised and updated on what I'm playing throughout the podcast. Let me the know podcast. about like, the 
stinkers or that where popular games where you don't think it's gonna turn out well i'm curious if you have any of those types of um right now so there's two big ones that people are unsure about and i haven't decided yet okay um which one i'm going to where i'm going to land on the fence uh the first is anthem which is by bioware Mm -hmm. uh they did the mass effect series yeah uh and it's their like attempt at like a massive multiplayer type thing uh you're gonna like it's gonna be similar to destiny i think where you like you fly around and shoot things uh you have like a jet pack there's like three different types you can be so it's kind of that mmo destiny feel yeah mmo feeling uh and so that comes out end of february and people are very divided on it because like bioware makes cool fighting and stuff but people also want bioware romances and like story and so they don't think like they're not sure how to feel about this because mm-hmm. it's like a massive multiplayer thing. So it's so a it's, game company that's kind of doing something a little different than what its uh, wheelhouse is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I haven't decided yet. It looks kind. It could it looks like it could be cool, but I don't know. Like I don't know if I want to spend my money on it because I don't play games with a lot of people anymore. But on the <laughs> other hand, if it's like a something more like an Overwatch scenario where just dropping in and out with random people is fine, maybe mm-hmm. I'll get it. I don't know. So a game to watch. Um, it's a it's a game to watch. I'm not sure. It's one of the ones I'm iffy on, but it could do real well because it is Bioware and it's like their main team, mm-hmm. not the Mass Effect Andromeda team. And then the other one is a game called Days Gone, which was originally going to release the same day as Anthem, but they got pushed it back two months for like, uh, you know, making final adjustments and smoothing huh. out the edges. It's by it's a shoot. I can't remember the name of the company. I think it's Sony Bend. It's a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And it's like a... It's a zombie game. It's post-apocalypse. Uh-huh. Uh, the big selling point, though, is that like they can have a huge, massive horde on screen at once. So there's like 500 zombies all crawling all over each other, like trying to get you. This could get tedious, but okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's apparently going to have real interesting emergent gameplay... Like, you can tackle scenarios differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, the horde has a mind of its own and, like, you can, like, distract it and have, or, like, the other key thing is that it's supposed to be, you have, like, a bike and that's your main way to get around, like, your motorcycle. Okay. You have to manage, like, fuel and stuff because it's, you know, post apocalypse. Yeah. And uh, if you get stranded and your bike is out of fuel, you could be seriously in trouble. Cause and this is a, a single player game, not a It's a single player game. Oh, yeah. okay. So, a lot of people, like, it's looked interesting from what I've seen so far, but a lot of people are like, really, we need another single-player zombie game? I, I did like Dead Island. Yeah. I Dead Island. Ugh. So the problem is I never beat it because, again, can't see behind me. <laughs> I got to the point where they, I got to the fast zombies. Haven't put it. I, uh, I heard them scream, and then they ran towards me. I killed it, put down the game, walked away. <laughs> so you got through a little bit of it. Like then... I got to like the first boss. I think I killed the first boss. I set up some stuff. But then the screaming zombies, which one I don't like. Anytime there's just a audio cue, mm-hmm. just for games. But then something screams, and then so I know in like five ten seconds somebody's gonna run at me from the bush. Could they be behind me? Could they be to the left or right? Suddenly I'm spinning around and in that mode again. <laughs> I don't like that. My first instinct is if I'm in a building or something, push myself up against a wall and get ready and look left, right, left, right, left, right. Constantly. That's why you should play with someone else. You have someone to watch your back. Ayo. Oh. Anyway, 
Maybe I'll get you to play Dying Light with me. That'll be a nice experience. It's by the same people that made Dead Island. Ah, okay. It's just zombies, but a different thing. Like, there's more parkour and stuff. Like, there was that game that I... They made a, like, a four-player Left 4 Dead. That's the game. Left 4 Dead. Yeah. I thought you said Dying Light. That's a different game. Okay. Like, I told you play Dying Light with me, not Left 4 Dead. If I wanted you to play Left 4 Dead with me, I would have said, hey, we can play Left 4 Dead Dead. together. I wanted to play Left 4 Dead, but then I got left behind on that whole thing, and I think I, like, forgot about it. Like, I don't know why I didn't get into it. Um, it's first person. That is, but there was, like, four of us. So, again, watch your back kind of thing. Well, I mean, I've. I've played Left 4 Dead with several different groups of friends. I don't uh-huh. know why. Like, I just never bought the game or got into Left 4 Dead 2, so I think. buying the game and saying, hey, I want to play this with you is probably a good way to have gotten me to play it with you. But if you don't buy the game, if you're just like, huh, I wish somebody would buy this game for me and then ask me to play it with them. <laughs> like, the, no. So part of it was like, oh, the replayability voice. Am I going to play this with random people? Like, Overwatch got me. I don't know how or why. As a first-person shooter, Overwatch got me as a... Partly, oh, I know. People don't usually sneak up on you. you you're facing the other side. It's a capture the flag kind of scenario. Yeah. But it was one that actually caught me off guard because I would normally not buy a first-person shooter type game. Left for Dead, I probably didn't get it because I was like... When would I, if I played this alone or with random internet strangers, am I going to really enjoy this game? Probably not. And then the idea of just playing this game over and over with friends, that probably didn't occur to me <laughs> as like a, we could only, or we would exclusively play it kind of thing. Yeah. And then it just kind of was like, a, eh, okay. I, Dead Island. I saw the zombie thing. I walked away from it. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully by the end of 2019, I'll have gotten you to at the very least, purchase a new game <laughs> not just purchasing i want i'm my goal so my 2019 make me a gamer resolution okay is by the end of 2019 harvey z has played a first person game i mean that's not too and much. not like set it down because he's a scaredy little cat really let's not be juvenile here <laughs> but like that sort of psychology won't work on me are but, you sure like beating a first person game yeah. that's that's a fair goal okay yeah. I want you to complete a first-person game. Ooh, but it's just because I'm like, oh, the games I. And it all can't be play. a Stanley Parable first-person game. I'm gonna give you gotta I was have, like a short game. Yeah, yeah no, it has to be an actual like there are enemies or no something. Game that appeals to me that's a first-person shooting type. Well, game. I'm gonna find something. Even a third-person. This isn't shooting. your resolution. This is my resolution. Okay, that's how you're gonna make me a specific type of gamer. No, no, I I want you to. I already know what your wheelhouse is. That's true. Like, my I goal can, was I to can... go into my wheelhouse and set my wheelhouse back up. Like, get those <laughs> wheels spinning. Well, you you set your wheelhouse up, and then I'm going to have a, so a new wing to your wheelhouse. Yeah. So we have, like, the regular resolutions that I need to stick with, and then you're just going to add, like, an extra hard mode on it. Man, that's what I do. Okay. Dark Soul resolutions. Yeah, this is the Dark Souls of resolutions, motherfucker. <laughs> Happy 2019. Get good. All right. So that'll be it. That'll be it. That'll be it for us. Uh, Welcome to 2019. As you can see, we're still the same people. Yep. Uh, We didn't magically change on the new year. No. Um, So where can they find you, Harvey Z? At The Z is silent on Twitter. Uh, You can find me at T-Man Plays Games on Twitter. You can find my writing at tmanwrites.com. And you can find our Twitter for the podcast at Make Me a Podcast. 
And as always, if you have any uh, questions about what's the name of the game again? Castle of the Wind. Castles on the Wind. You can Castle e- of the Wind. Castle of the Wind. Part you- one or the full version. <laughs> you can email us at makemeagamerpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I suppose that would be better rather than just talking to me. I mean, thank you for the listeners out there that have contacted me and not T-Man, but... Yeah, it's not like I, I host the podcast or yeah, anything. Yeah, it's not like it's he's not the like one calling I'm, himself I'm, a professional expert gamer. Yeah, it's it's not like I'm dying for some sort of listener approval or a fan to reach out to me and just say, you're doing a good job. No, I don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. He doesn't need the accolades. He's doing it for the yeah. love of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's 2019. We still don't have a sign-off, so we will see you next week. Next week? Oh, yeah, we do. We do this weekly. <laughs> Shit. <laughs>